Hey podcast, uh, the Gary V Challenge. Hashtag Gary V Challenge. That's right, I put out the huge deck. How many pages was that, 270? The, the, the deck I put out on my birthday uh, is out there now and now I'm scared. Why am I scared? Because people love consuming information but they hate doing the things in the information. So we're doing the Gary V Challenge. Hashtag Gary V Challenge. What does that mean? I am now challenging you, my audience, to make content at scale. Use the hashtag Gary V Challenge in Facebook, in Instagram, in Twitter, in LinkedIn so that we can find your stuff and I'm gonna pick some winners in January of the people that have gone out and actually made, making, contextually making, making at scale. Please go do that, go check it out. Looking forward to it, please enter. Doing always is better than reading. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. What's up podcast and welcome back. I hope you're all having a wonderful holiday season. Today's episode is from the LinkedIn Talent Connect keynote that Gary gave in Dallas on September 26th. He's super passionate about this talk as he believes that emotional intelligence will always end up winning. So make sure to hit him up and let him know what you thought and I hope you enjoy. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, I've I've just been genuinely excited for this moment. Uh, Mainly, because of a lot of different variables that led me to being here this evening and very much, I think, and if I had 30 hours instead of 30 minutes, I could systematically get through them and so the pressure point of making sure I hit the context that I want in this speech to bring the most value possible to all you wonderful people has kept me in a really fun mindset for the last 24 hours. And and here are some of the thematics. I'm about to talk to you about why I believe kindness and empathy and and every other great emotional intelligence skill is the foundation to actually build a great business, financially, money, and yet I'm the child of a father who who grew up in the Soviet Union. I was born there as well, came here when I was three. And when my dad uh, eventually achieved his American dream and owned a liquor store, When I was dragged into that liquor store as a 14 year old, my dad sat me down and this is the singular first piece of advice that I heard in the real business world because I was crushing it in lemonade stands and baseball cards. (laughs) But this was the first thing I had ever heard. My dad and I are driving to the liquor store. My dad is really in a lot of ways the reverse of me, which means he doesn't talk a whole lot. Uh, but he looked at me and before we walked into the store, he looked me dead in the face and my dad's one of these guys with like eyebrows that are naturally in the mean position, (laughs) doesn't speak and is from the Soviet Union and looks me dead in the face and says to me, the employees are our enemies. (laughs) He said, son, the only thing you have to do today in the store is to make sure you watch them so they don't steal. (laughs) And I used to really hate, be mad at, and worst of all, judge my father for that. And I did that because I lacked empathy and context and understanding that when your first 22 years are in the Soviet Union and communism owns everything, the entire world works with the black market and everybody steals and that's just how the ecosystem worked. But it's so full circle for me to have the incredible luxury of being here tonight and and honor because my natural DNA was far more like my mother's. 
I genuinely believe that karma is practical. I wildly believe in optimism to the point of delusion. My greatest weaknesses over the last 20 years in running businesses has actually been predicated in creating entitlement because I care so much about EQ and optimism and we can figure it out to the point where no question my great regret as a CEO for the last 20 years in two different businesses with the success that I've had is that there are people walking around the world that I did the wrong thing by because I love happiness so much that I was unable to have the gear of radical candor that is needed to offset everything I'm about to talk about. However, to this day, I would much rather have a culture of happy and safe and entitled than wildly profitable and dark. And I believe we're sitting in a very interesting time, a time where in culture, in the macro, we are pulling in opposite directions, thinking somehow miraculously, one way of doing things is the right way. And yet, to achieve everything I'm about to talk about, which is 100% accountability, recognizing that us judging employees when we navigate companies based on a PL is ludicrous and audacious and unkind. In a world where I genuinely believe that, you know, actually let me throw this in here, this may help frame it up. When I think about VaynerMedia, my current company, 900 people, global, Singapore, London, New York, LA, it's an agency, tough game. Client services is brutal. It's a real rugged game. I believe that I've done a lot of things wrong and a lot of things right, but I believe genuinely that the reason the organization continues to flourish is because we look at it as the honey empire. Honey over vinegar. There is no reason not to be kind and compassionate. The meta nature of what transpired today in my organization without going into him or her today, literally today, my organization fired one of the single most productive financial employees in our company for 100% reason of he is just not a good communicator, or she, to, (laughs) god damn it. It's just not a good communicator to people around him. I, I do not know how to say this in any other words than the following. I believe that technology advancements over the next half century will prove out the hypothesis that I will lay in front of you, which is the following. Making decisions far more predicated around people that have humility, people that have kindness, generally likable people drives bigger financial results. Period, end of story. And let us collectively look ourselves in the mirror and understand that the far majority of businesses that are in corporate land are run by CFOs, not CEOs. And let us accept that a CFO, that she or he has to navigate an organization to make its payroll, to hit its numbers, I think we judge, there are many people here in the HR profession, you know, I for a long time called myself an HR driven CEO. You can watch videos of me in 2007 on the internet, fat me, talking about (laughs) that long before this was cool, long before this was in the consciousness, but it took me an evolution to understand the thing I opened with because I wanted to get right to it, which is I wasn't finding the right balance. It was a little bit too much optimism. I had to find the cadence and now, I navigate, and more importantly, because I hate focus groups of one, I watch 
and analyze and look at so many businesses. I believe that you can have both. I believe that you can have both. I believe that there is an unbelievably powerful opportunity for businesses to have friction between the CFO and as we call it at VaynerMedia, the chief heart officer, Claude Silver, holds this position in my organization. She is my direct report. Not only that, she is the number two person within our organization, weekly, monthly. We sit and have strategy, people, uh, business meetings, where if her and the CFO do not see eye to eye, that tie goes to the runner to her. That is wildly unheard of in our society today. And much like most of the things that I've had my hand in, historically it becomes correct. Is there so much naivete at the Wall Street, Silicon Valley, business, alpha DNA to not understand that retention and happiness leads to dramatic more results than appeasing the best salesperson even though they have a tornado and wipe out everybody internally in their path. I appreciate that, sir. Because it's right. It actually, I, I, I have come to realize something remarkable. Growing up in a family liquor store business where your business paid for your life, so this was not about awards or weird reports or theory, this was life. And then going into you know, startup world where I invested, it was life. To come into corporate land over the last decade, I am fascinated by the ability of corporate America and global corporate organizations to have somehow systematically eliminated common sense from the equation. <laughs> if common sense had a place in current big business, we wouldn't even need to talk about HR. It's people. It's always gonna be people. Nobody's paying more attention to blockchain and AI and machine learning and all that than me and I promise you, it's going to be people. Until the robots come along and kill all of us, (laughs) which I think they might, it's going to be people. We have to start getting much smarter around hitting costs. Letting go of somebody to hit a number who's kind of something on the numbers but is the beat, the heart, the glue, and it makes 12 other people want to come to an organization, that person needs to be rewarded financially, not fired. And before this gets way too foofy foofy, I wanna remind everybody that I think of my organization as the Honey Empire. I am out here to put everybody out of business. I wanna win. I want to build the biggest company in the world. I want to buy the New York Jets and win a Super Bowl and then die. (laughs) Not knowing anything about the real world because I was a terrible student and I was completely 100% focused on the end consumer, always lemonade stands, baseball cards, the wine business, Vayner Media. I didn't even know these conversations existed. I don't even understand what we're debating. How can you have an organization when the asset is people where that is not the thing we spend the most time? And then I understood, oh weird, right. Because I was a DNF student, I'm not good at black and white, but I dominate gray. I dominate gray, right. People don't have the emotional, intuitive luck of the draw. Some of you, I'm looking around, some of you were just born really pretty. Some of you are fast. Some of you are tall. 
some people just get it when it comes to people. And if you get it when it comes to people, you have to start leaning into things like empathy, compassion. You have to become much more thoughtful. All our political stuff right now, nobody's deploying any empathy to anybody. Everybody's on tilt. Everybody's on their point of view. That's happening in our society. It's happening definitely within the four walls of our organizations. And at the tippy top, this is just one bad game of Wall Street. And I'm not mad at Wall Street even though, I'm not mad. I'm mad at games that have to be played in every 90 day terms and if you don't play within that 90 days, you become vulnerable. It's very easy to be the head of people and make decisions around people and be mad at the CEO and be mad at her, but you're not the one on a phone call with investors with, on Wall Street every 90 days explaining why. Don't worry everybody who's put their money into us, a lot of it. Good news, I know that our money looks real bad, but everyone's super happy. Most CEOs don't have the luxury of having enough control to let that play out and really manifest within a decade. Most don't even care. Let me promise you one thing. If you have some North Star of Nirvana, of businesses that really care about people and your company in one way or another ladders up to something that is publicly traded, please stand up and leave Dallas now. I mean that. Do not be naive. And it's, there's nothing necessarily massively wrong with that, but delusional ideology of the game you're actually playing always leads to frustration. It's just the way it is. You wanna be 100% centric around the people narrative? Go become a weird Yoda in a cave in Peru. Because if you're in a business that has a P&L that has to hit numbers, the other part's gonna be part of the equation. But I argue that it has gone ridiculously too far. That in the consolidation of corporate stuff and good students that like numbers and Excel sheets, we have lost so much of what SMBs and family businesses have run on, which is the nuances. I, out of sheer luck that my parents had sex at the right moment, have the DNA that I pull very hard from both sides. I pull very hard from both sides. I will always choose long-term people because when I look at my retention of my employees, I realize the speed in which they navigate through knowing each other. And most importantly, when you have an organization that has limited amounts because you can't change everyone's DNA and cynicism's really cool, but when you can suffocate and over time eliminate fear from your organization, very good things happen. If employees didn't spend all their time trying to outmaneuver Karen because they're both trying to kill each other politically, they might actually achieve the task at hand. This level of common sense and human truth will play out. I do not know who the six-year-old girl in Tennessee right now is that's going to invent the system to score this, but before I die, this will become mappable and we will actually start the process of swinging the other direction. This is just the way it's going to be. If you are in the game right now and do not realize that we will continue to go down a process of looking at the nuances of employees, leaders that can balance 
the yin and yang of creating a culture, an environment, and by the way, since all the leaders are here, can we just stop checking the boxes for the sake of checking the boxes? Are we really gonna be a culture that pats ourselves on the back for hitting a diversity number? Really? We must. We must start pushing on intent. We should fix our intent, not our ability to check the box. That. That's how we'll get to where we all wanna go. This is not a sink issue, this is the well. And we must have these thoughtful conversations. We just must. And so, here's some random thoughts because I wanna bring as much value. There's a couple other things I wanted to talk about. I think the philosophy is set. We can get into the nuances. I'm happy to answer any of your comments on social over the next 57 years, but a couple things. Just random. I am fascinated by hiring. I am fascinated by people's ego to think they're good at hiring. (laughs) Watching the world, for some reason, take pride in an ability, a framework, my favorite. I got this one question that helps you be good at hiring is laughable at best and ludicrous at worst. We must start talking about hiring and firing in a compassionate way to help organizations. We have so much ego wrapped up in hiring, so much waste, so much consensus agreement. Very hard to make a decision when 47 people have equal say. (laughs) We must start talking more about hiring because guess what, good news, The college gig, it's coming to an end. The racket is almost over. And it's not gonna be so easy for you to hide behind, well, she went to Yale. We must be more thoughtful, but more importantly, we must look for other things than data points. In my career hiring, I wanna be not over the top here, 7,000 people, I have called 0.0 references. I have no interest in calling your PR person. If there is no bigger waste of time of this collective room, it is calling somebody as a reference that they told you to call. You know how I know this? I've given the biggest references to the worst employees that have ever worked for me. Because I like them, I don't want them to be on the street, I feel bad. Literally, taking somebody who's a one and convincing the other person that they're a 96. (laughs) They'll figure it out. We have so many things to talk about in this world that we all kind of live in. Number one, actually back to, I remember, I'm glad I got to this. I forget so many things usually. Improv has its strengths and weaknesses. This is very meta, if you follow, how many people here follow my content just for context? Thank you. Okay, it's great, so most don't. So listen, no, no, that's what I thought, there's a lot of people here. Um, This is wild, and if you don't know me, which is why I asked, you may think it's a plug, but let me be very much on the record. 
LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, the NFL, orange juice, I have no emotion for anything. I care about nothing except the end consumer. But with that preface, there's a very remarkable thing going on for the far majority of people in this room. For the last year I've been yelling on LinkedIn and many other platforms that LinkedIn is a really good place to put content. Right as we sit here today, the far majority of people's issue for their business, how many people own their business? Or the CEO, raise your hands. Okay, not that many. You should consider it, it's fun, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But for the people that run marketing or make decisions or influence decisions, LinkedIn over the last six months to a year, and I don't know when this algorithm changes and when the supply and demand of attention and content changes, which is what happens to all these platforms. Uh, My favorite place for the last four years, Instagram is going through it right now for all the biggest content producers, especially personalities. The organic decline has just started. It's about to get nasty. A lot of influencers are gonna get a job. Um, (laughs) um, Anyway. LinkedIn right now is going through a Facebook 2012 moment. You right now have a business or trying to build a profile or trying to communicate something to the world, have no followers on LinkedIn, produce content and the organic reach and consumption is remarkably high. It will go away, they always do. It went away on MySpace, it went away on Facebook, it goes away everywhere. It's supply and demand of attention. So one thing I definitely wanted to get across before I got off here, content, communication, not your personal brand, Think of it a different way. Your reputation, it matters. A lot of you are still trading on your reputation because you've been doing it a long time. Reputation is getting built at scale in LinkedIn for B2B businesses which have never really had a home for content like they do now and just being obsessed with overbringing value, I implore you to dig into this hypothesis, get educated, and remember when you produce content, you don't have to do video, you don't have to do audio, you don't have to do written word. As a matter of fact, my highest over-indexing content on LinkedIn right now is comic strips that I create from the things I talk about. In the feed, it's working. GIFs, memes, uh, you know, unemotional about how we communicate. We used to draw in caves, people used to do smoke signals. I do not mind how people, unlike the far majority of this room and world, I do not judge how one wants to consume content. I just react to the truth. And in that truth at this moment, not next year, not last year, at this exact second, there's a huge arbitrage of organic reach within LinkedIn that I have a funny feeling will help you get something that you want, whatever that may be. And oh, by the way, as humans, where many of you may have your side hustle, if you're selling cupcakes or your fitness program or hair extensions, LinkedIn, which is wild. Watching it become Facebook in there instead of just B2B has been phenomenal. So highly recommend that. That's another side note. Let's talk about a couple other things. I think that there's a lot of weird things about this industry. For example, I am fascinated by the fact that people are crippled by anonymous review websites about your business. That we have not had the proper conversation about how it actually works, which is most companies induce, force, scare people into leaving positive reviews on this site, and then pay these platforms to hide the bad ones. And I'm confused by the crippled nature of anonymous reviews. Anonymous reviews always dwindle in their importance. It's human behavior. The shadows lead to very little good. And more importantly, I now recommend for the HR world to go the other way and seed 
these sites with negative reviews, allowing them to eliminate candidates from applying who don't have the emotional intelligence to understand that anonymous reviews are stupid. Real life, real life. Just look at the business models of these companies. It answers all you need to know. So that's a random thought. Anyway. (laughs) That girl in Tennessee is gonna figure out something. And what she's gonna do is figure out the following story. I can't believe how well this worked out to me because that following story, actually Adam, where are you? I saw your face, hey brother. I'm literally looking at a former employee who I ran in today, to today, who I fired. And during that firing, which was a very, by the way, a top 15 firing of my career that was difficult because not only is he a tremendous dude, the timing of his life with his family expansion made this firing unbelievably difficult. Coinciding with me now having to deploy self-awareness, which is fun to tell other people to do, and realize that I was not doing a good enough job with radical candor or putting people in a position to succeed. But, as he told me today, which meant a lot to me, brother, the most important thing that happened there was enabling that individual during this extremely tough time with support and more importantly a framework to deploy self-awareness. The reason I loved him so much is because I loved him. The job he was doing for him, yeah, not that bad wasn't the best. I am the CEO of my company and don't have a prayer in getting hired by it. I do not have the grammar skills nor the math skills to ever be an employee of VaynerMedia, but I can run it. That level of self-awareness must be talked about. Why did I bring up that story? I have no clue, but I know how I feel about him. I have a funny feeling over the last four years, five years, he's navigated life. I and my company has grown in profile since then. I get, my name gets thrown around, negative, positive. But here's a human being that gets to walk around Earth, know what happened there, know what I did after he was there, when he was there, and I have a funny feeling, maybe I'm wrong, that when my name gets brought up, oh, he's a dick, right? That he might say, actually, let me tell you a story. I know how real life works. I know that the truth is undefeated. And I know that there's a lot of hidden financial variables of the humanity that my business runs on, not on its profitability. I know that many of those conversations have led to other conversations that led to other conversations that became the single variable that some other human being decided to do business with us or come into our organization and work for us and drive our business. I am fascinated by people's inability to play chess around the interest of HR and continue to play checkers. How do we not understand that what the person feels like on the way out matters almost, if not more, than how they feel while they're there? And so we, Thank you. We need an uncomfortable paradigm shift. People are gonna clap and pat themselves on the back all week here on tactics. 
on the current state of what's accepted or what we aspire to in tactics. And we will come back in two or three years or within our organizations and we will show pie charts of how we've done better. Yet, we will continue to live and operate within frameworks where the financial health of the business is 100% the decision-making tree of the organization. And until we change that, and until we change the structure, and until we give the ladies and men on Wall Street the ability to build businesses long-term, until we understand that all these venture-backed companies have so much inbound dollars that they're burning their cash, and if they don't raise more capital, they'll go out of business, and all they're really trying to do is go public or sell their company, so how could they actually care about you? Until we have a dramatically more thoughtful conversation of the intent, until we companies that are trying to build in perpetuity at the top, not the one that flipped this week, we will never achieve, we will never achieve the level of humanity that we are looking for all subconsciously within the four walls of this organization. And when will we challenge hiring? Or my favorite, reviews. That's a fucking doozy. (laughs) And I know it because I promised them I wouldn't curse, but I had to go there on this one. Reviews? You mean people that have political invested interest making judgment on the people below them to subconsciously or worse consciously make sure that they don't take their spot? You mean that one? That's right. Can we just get thoughtful? Can we just get thoughtful? And not that I have every answer. I spend so much time trying to be Gary Vaynerchuk the human being to offset Gary Vaynerchuk, the CEO, when I look at reviews and this, I spend ungodly hours following all my employees on social media, not to be a creeper. (laughs) But do you know how many good decisions I've made in the last decade by understanding who's friends with who in the organization so I understand the vested feedback? Do you know how easy it is for three employees to gang up on somebody and create a narrative that gets that person fired unless you're thoughtful enough to know what I'm talking about? I know it's true. And you know it's true. And all 5,000 people here know it's true. And all one million people that will watch this video at some point know it's true. When, when is our industry willing to have the actual conversation instead of digging in to the surface level side that they reside in. That is the day we begin the process of bringing good stuff to businesses because they both matter and they need friction, but we have to have the real conversation, not the easy one. Thank you. Thanks guys for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. (laughs) Have a great day.